I believe every one of us can create beautiful images, feel fulfilled and improve our well-being through photography. The Quiet Landscapes podcast explores the life and work of photographers, creatives and thought leaders through monthly conversations that will inspire you. My name is Margaret Soraya and I'm delighted that you are listening. So today I have Alison Davis with me and she is a photographer from San Diego in America and she's recently uh, made a beautiful book about photographing the west coast of America in 30 days. That's approximately 3,000 miles. So um, I would just really like to get into how you came about doing this book. But first of all, um, if you want to tell us a little bit, uh, just sort of like a brief history of your photographic career, are you um, full-time, part-time, do you have a job? Um, Where did you start, basically? Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Margaret. I'm so excited to share with you my project from this last year. I've been a photographer professionally as a wedding photographer for the last 13 years, Uh, but my career in photography began in high school, like many people's. I photographed sports and was the yearbook editor and went into journalism. And my first career was as a reporter and a photographer for local newspapers. So I had two newspaper jobs before I began my business as a wedding photographer in Dallas, Texas, and had recently moved to the West Coast to live in a more beautiful place. As a photographer, Dallas, Texas is uh it's a city, you know, it's lacking in natural beauty. And I figured it was a good opportunity to pursue beauty in the everyday. So I made the move to to the beach. And I live about a block from the beach now in San Diego. And during COVID, um, my wedding photography business was just starting to basically begin again in a new market. And COVID kind of snuffed out the business I'd begun and decided to take the opportunity to do a personal project. I see. So your main income at that point was was wedding photography, is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah correct. And is that something, um, I've, I've also shoot weddings. Um, I, I started out 17 years ago as a wedding photographer. Still do them, obviously, same experience as you. Uh, COVID happened, they all stopped for a couple of years. It's just sort of starting to get going a little bit now, but um, it's kind of opened up different things for me now. So it's it's quite interesting to see what we'll go back to doing. But did you, did you enjoy the wedding photography? Is that something you had a, a passion for? I did. I did. I've absolutely loved shooting weddings. I've photographed over 400 weddings by myself and just adore getting to be a part of people's wedding days and preserving the history of the beginning of their family. I love photographing those decisive moments of connection and loved getting to be an overall storyteller. Um, so it's definitely something I, I I have mourned the loss of throughout COVID and definitely a lot of tearful days thinking, oh, what am I doing? Like I've been a wedding photographer for 13 years. And so now what, you know, it's definitely been a lot up in the air. Yeah, I think there was a lot of people in the similar situation in the UK with the um, who were just solely wedding photographers. I was um, very lucky. I just started my landscape business a couple of years back. So there was that to overlap. But I think um, the wedding industry as such has been hit, was what well, it was hit very, very hard. So it must have been quite a difficult time for you then. Yeah, it was, and especially having moved across the country, thinking I could uproot my business of about 12 years in one location to trying to rebuild it in a new market. 
and it was starting out really well, but slowly and without referrals and without a network of photographers, it definitely left me very isolated as far as my business went. And I attempted to get into real estate photography just to hold over and buy time, but I absolutely hated it. Like two weeks into getting it figured out, I was like, this is going to destroy my passion for photography and I have to quit because otherwise I'll never want to pick up my camera again. And as somebody who's lived with it in her hands since she was, you know, in seventh grade, it was devastating. I was like, I'm done. I got to get out of this quick. And I, so that's what led to me creating this book really quickly. I, actually, it started as a project. It just developed into a book. Yeah. So there's real, um, there's real value then in, in concentrating your mind. So it's almost like, oh, well, I can't do that anymore. Well, what can I do? So it's a, it's a great spirit to have. So tell us a little bit about the um, journey to, well, why you decided to do this book. If you could explain that to us, that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of started out of this idea of, well, if I have to leave California, I might as well go enjoy it as much as I can, because I thought, well, if I don't have a job, I can't stay here. I don't know what I'm going to do. I might have to go back home. And so I, um, I had two weddings left on the calendar that people were having at private residences. So they were still going to keep their dates. So in between that time was about a 35 day window. And I thought, um, well, it started in the beginning of 2020 in 2020 as a personal idea thinking, well, maybe I just photographed the beaches of San Diego as a personal project, just kind of give myself a little bit of discipline to do some creative work on the side. And then when I saw this window of time, I was like, well, who just wants to stay in San Diego? Like, what if I photographed all of California? And I was like, well, what if I did the whole West Coast? That would be kind of amazing to do this feat of traveling the whole West Coast and photographing it within 30 days. And honestly, when I think about it, it's that American work ethic of let's do as much as possible and make it seem really grand. You know, I wish I had something like a year to do it and like to hike it and do it slowly, like some European photographers do in different areas. Um, but that American work, work ethic was like, okay, 30 days. And I'll camp in my car because I don't have, really have a whole lot of money. And people do that on the West Coast of America. They um, have camper vans and they just kind of live out of their car to surf and hike and rock climb. And so I was like, well, I could do that. And I, I pinned about 70 locations that I was going to photograph um, to start. And by the time I was finished, I photographed over 220 locations over about 3,000 miles and I tracked the trip, uh, every image, every time I got out of my car to take an image, I wrote the mileage of my car from my starting point up in Blaine, Washington, which is at the border of Canada and Washington. So I kept mileage of every image I took and every frame that I shot. Um, and then that's how I came up with the 220 locations and the 3,000 miles of, of what I covered of the West Coast. That's just incredible that you, you did that. So you had, just to be clear, because um, over here we were locked down, so we weren't allowed to travel. So you weren't in that situation at that, that last summer. Is that right? The the main thing was there were some places that were closed. Um, there were a lot of public facilities that were closed. There were some parks that were closed. And some of um, like the 
Indian reservations that have really beautiful um, coastal areas were closed. And since I was traveling alone, um, it was it was definitely like I only interacted with about three people on the entire trip that I had conversations with because most people weren't out. So a lot of people were on lockdown. And then we also had a season of really bad wildfires through the West Coast. So the smoke was really bad. The air conditions and air quality was really bad. So it kept a lot of people indoors. And I was still new to the West Coast and didn't really know about smoke advisories. And I was just going and doing my thing as a photographer and just thought, well, this smoke is giving really interesting effects to my images. And it was really discouraging because I, I didn't see the sun for about eight days. And I thought, will it ever lift? And to be honest, it just kind of also told the story of kind of how the year was, you know, it's just like this tragic thing happened. And then the effects of it were lingering, but eventually clarity came and hope came as I like moved down the coast and got out of, out of the wildfire situation. So we were um, we were allowed to travel, um, but it was definitely still restricted. Right, I think that's um, that's that's probably one of the differences with over here. We weren't allowed to travel at all. I don't think <laughs> I'm not sure what the distance. I can't remember the distance, but we weren't allowed to go away from our, our hometowns anyway. So it was a little bit little bit frustrating at times. But um, for for your situation, I think it sounds like the best plan you possibly could have had, and very brave actually to do that alone. Are you used to traveling alone like that? Um, I've I've become a little more acquainted with traveling alone. I started my very first time I spent overseas uh, was during college, and I spent about three months in the south coast of Spain. And since then, I've kind of had that um adventurous spirit that's okay to just kind of go and do and as a photographer you know it's just kind of like well all I'm doing is interacting with the landscape anyway and while I was lonely luckily I have friends that talked to me on the phone while I was driving and at night and things like that yeah that's and did you manage okay in the car then it was was it literally just a car that you were yeah. <laughs> It pretty much was. It's a very small CRV and I'm almost six feet tall. So it definitely wasn't ideal, but I just made it work. You know, it was just like the bare essentials to think like, how can I do this as cheaply as possible, as economically as possible? And then with COVID, you know, there was that hesitancy and wanting to stay in a lot of more populated areas anyway. So I was at campsites and things like that. So it kept it pretty safe. Yeah, it may, it's the, actually the ideal way of travelling. I've, I've got a, a, a van that's kitted out, so I feel a little bit <laughs> guilty hearing your story, but it's quite luxurious. Um, but even even now, almost two years or, or one and a half years on, it feels much safer to travel in that manner rather than... Um, I, I prefer to do that now rather than stay in accommodation, just just because um, we've still got the tail end of it. So um, it's uh, it was ideal then for you to do this. I think that's that's really, really great that you you did that. I think that's, that's something to be admired to camp in a car for 30 days. Yeah, <laughs> I did have to stay some places when the campsites, some of the campsites were full because a lot of people were so stuck at home that at least they'd try to go camping to be outside. So there were a couple motels, you know, but I stayed as cheaply as possible the entire trip. So did you have any um, assistance, government assistance, financial assistance for your business? Um, the second round, we had two different rounds of government assistance. And so the second round I took advantage of because I was able to. The first round I wasn't able to. 
And it was very much just the bare, bare minimum. I mean, honestly, without the support of my family throughout this last season of time, I was the only kid who was affected uh, with COVID as far as businesses went. And they are also self-employed entrepreneurs. And so they definitely just stepped in to help me try to just buy time during the season and we were all just kind of holding on hope to see what would happen with weddings and how they turn around. And honestly, they haven't for me yet and they may not. So I'm just pursuing the sales of this book as the self-publishing option and pursued self-publishing versus traditional as a business decision. So I'm trying to pursue the marketing and sales of the book as well as uh, selling my fine art prints from the collection and building my first collection as a fine art photographer. Yeah, and you, you sound like somebody who's just going to make the best out of everything, and um, I, I think that's that spirit is always going to see you see you right, isn't it? You know, hardworking, and um, I think I read something about you. You said that you actively pursued a different story. I love that phrase. I think that's just beautiful, um, and I think that's something you know in that in those sort of harder times, um, we just need to go and do that, don't we? Because there was no other option. Um, so now I watched your YouTube video about your book, um, which was it was so beautiful. It was really nicely filmed as well. But some of the words that you came up with were really touching. Um, so let's just have a closer look at what actually happened during those those 30 days. And how did you um, how did you find photographing the landscape? Was it enjoyable? Did it come naturally or? <laughs> Yes, yes. So I, again, with the travel and adventure spirit, I've been to over 32 countries and most of the trips I've done, um, I've taken my camera, obviously. And I, my friends had encouraged me to make a book, but what do you do with your vacation type photos? You know, like there's a few gyms here and there when you're getting started. And I've always had a natural eye and enjoyment of it. But for creating my first collection, I felt like it needed to have some intention behind it. And it needed a story or a purpose or a time frame or something to bring it, bind it all together. So for me, the trip was my opportunity to literally pursue beauty every day and put myself in the way of it. Because as a photographer, like there's things around us all the time, but our job is in ways to be observant and to illuminate the things that we see and to share the way that we see the world. And in this time of loss, I mean, it was, it's been a terrible year for everybody collectively, as well as individually. I think we all have our stories of how it's affected us. And for me, like I said, I didn't want my story to continue to be this like sad narrative. And I wanted to find something good in what was around me. And having moved to the coast, like I'm in awe of the coastal beauty. I love it. I'm from the middle of the United States. It's very flat. There's no trees. There's very little water. And so this move that I literally put myself in a place of beauty, I the opportunity to get to be in that every day and literally just walk and hike and be in the coast was a joyful experience, even though it was very challenging in the circumstances because most landscape photographers wait for that optimal moment, that perfect timing and that perfect light. And I will tell you, I had none of that. And so to try to create from the mess and like from the lack of beauty and tragedy 
was the challenge, but I loved it. And I felt like I got so much out of it and I have so much to share from it. I mean, the wealth of images I was able to capture are unending. And so even putting them into a book, there's about 320 images in the book. And I have 7,000 that I edited from the trip. So narrowing it down to 300 and then creating my first collection, I've got it down to about 32 images. I'm trying to give myself about a one per 100 miles. So I was like, okay, that seems reasonable. And it was just a really in- interesting endeavor. And I had no shortage. Every day I was surprised. Every day there was something new to find and something to enjoy, even if it was something moodier or desolate, or there was some story in the landscape that either I could relate to or the human experience could relate to that I felt in capturing it told a different kind of story. So do you have a love of landscape photography? Is it, is that come from, um, you talk about being a news photographer and wedding photographer. Have you loved landscape photography a long time or have you been connected to the coast in some way? Yeah. So somehow I fell in love with the ocean when I was a kid. I drew pictures of it. I painted it on my wall. Again, I'm this little kid in the middle of Texas. And and I think it's honestly through my uh, travels that I fell in love with the landscape. And I found that I found the most enjoyment in the world and in traveling at the edge of everything. So that when you'd find a city, I'd want to get almost as far away from it as possible. And so it's things like when I'd go to Paris, like the north of France is far more beautiful than Paris will ever be to me, you know, and it's the same thing with like Costa Rica, you know, I'd get you can go somewhere with a lot of population or you can go to these empty jungle beaches that are just breathtaking. So I find this beauty in the natural and untouched world that I feel people don't go and see and they don't explore it. And the fact that as a woman in 2020, it's amazing that I have the ability to travel on my own to go to these destinations and to share this with people. I just think it's a fascinating time to be alive. It's brilliant, isn't it? Actually, you, you've got a real good point there because I, I travel solo for, for weeks on end by myself and into places that I you know, don't necessarily see anybody for quite a long time. And it's fine. <laughs> we can do it. But yeah, it's, it's something to be grateful for, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I also understand that connection with the coast because I had the same thing as a child. I'd always be drawing it and reading about it and going, oh, the coast, it's in there. If it's in your skin, it's, if it's under your skin, then it's there, isn't it? So um, to- totally, totally with you on that one. Um, so the images then, are they um, just a, a mix of, are they mostly coastal? Yes. So almost the entire, uh, the entire book was me driving along the coast and staying in different parks in the area. Um, and it's every time I'd approach a beach uh, or a coastal or a hike or a cliff or something, I would, I would just really ask myself, like, what, what is the story of this place? What is it grand? Is it in the small details? Is it, and sometimes there really wouldn't be anything in particular, but it would be the movement of the waves. And it'd be this decisive moment of, the way the water moved in a place and I'd sit there and watch the waves for 30 minutes, you know, and I have to like time myself a little bit. I could give myself all the time in the world in every location, but I would try to, you know, stagger my time, make the best use of it, try to shoot wide, try to shoot tight, try to find small details that were unique to that space. So whether it was the shells or the rocks or 
anything like that, I'd try to find the beauty in that location that would tell the encompassing story of the space. And while I couldn't show all of that, the book is a good flow that kind of shows you the the overall landscape and geography of, of the West Coast in a, a different type of way. So the, the process then, uh, moving on to the process of the, the actual bookmaking, um, how did you find that? And obviously you did, um, I read you did a Kickstarter campaign um, and self-published, which is an interesting way of going about it. Do you want to just tell us about the process a little bit? Absolutely. So again, with my background in journalism and um, and working in the yearbook, I have a, an experience in graphic design. So I actually laid out the entire book by myself. I did writing. I wrote pieces to go along with different images to kind of share my vision and heart as an artist. So it had a good flow. And I work very quickly when I'm inspired. So I was actually able to lay out the entire book in about a week. I had everything kind of pieced together. And then it was just filling in the gaps and making sure everything was perfect. So uh, once I had the first manuscript done, I discussed the book options with um, editors, with different companies to try to find the best fit. And because I'm, I'm an unknown photographer, no one knows who I am. I'm this obscure person in San Diego with a great story and uh, an eye for beauty. I, I looked at the options and when a self-publisher gave me the numbers on what I could make if I sold X number of copies, I said, I think I can do it. Let's do it. And I was like, I know it's a really big move and most people will never sell this many books in their life. But in some way, it's a commodity, you know, and I'm just trying to find a way I made a beautiful product, but it has so much more heart behind it. So I'd rather passionately sell something I created myself than work for somebody else to sell something they made I don't care about. So I, uh, as the entrepreneurial spirit of the wedding industry that I've been in for 13 years, you know, I didn't know anything about weddings when I got started in those. I figured I will just give this my best shot as well. And I feel like I've been giving myself a master's degree in fine art uh, based on the amount of education I've been giving myself. And then I learned how to do a crowdfunding um, campaign. And that was definitely a large endeavor. I had to prepare all the marketing materials, all the behind the scenes, um, had the short film made, had portraits taken, um, built out demo copies of the book so I could photograph it to share, and then came up with the campaign working with a public relations person and an ads manager for Facebook, just try to try to get people outside of my circle and was able to successfully fundraise $38,000 to help with the first print run. That's incredible that you've managed to do that. That's um, You can, can just hear the hard work going behind the scenes there. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot. Like People are thinking I'm not working right now, but I'm really working very long days, but I love it so much. I think you're probably working double days at the moment, aren't you? I totally, but, totally understand. Yeah, but I live at the beach, so at least I can go to the beach for a few hours in between, and I still like find those moments. And the good news is I still really like my work because I've had to look at it for a whole year, and I'm still really excited about it, which I feel like is a really good place to be as an artist. It is, isn't it? It's, it's actually, you're absolutely right there. It's really important. It's probably the most important part, isn't it? Yeah. So what's what's the progress with the book now? Where where are you now with it? 
So it is currently with the publishers to receive the proofs. So they're preparing the images. They're going to send me the proof files. I'll sign off on them and then it'll go into production. And then as soon as it's in production, I believe it takes about 50 to 55 days to get it shipped out. So I had um, 182 uh, people support the book on Kickstarter, so it'll be shipped to them within that time. And then I'll have the rest that they'll hold for distribution. And then I'm just responsible for trying to sell the remainder. And I took on a large, a large load. I'm trying to sell 2000 copies altogether. And with that, I'm hoping to be able to redeem the money and income I lost as well as help me move forward in this field. And to honestly, this is like, I feel like like musicians drop their first album as a musician. They're like, this is my album. I'm dropping it now. I'm like, this is my book. This is who I am as an artist. And then just seeing what, what happens. I have no idea what will be on the other side of it, but I've loved the process. I love the journey of it, even though it's been very challenging and definitely not what I thought I'd be doing with last year or <laughs> at any time. I never thought I'd leave weddings, but now I'm like so excited and I have about 30 different ideas for collections I'd love to photograph and I'm ready to go work and shoot. And I plan on shooting the entire East coast of America uh, in this next year and then creating my second book. And then I actually spent two weeks in June photographing the South coast of South Africa. And I plan to go back to finish so I can do a third book on the coast of South Africa. So I have great dreams and ideas and I'm just trying to figure out how to make money as an artist. Yeah, and and isn't it wonderful to to look back on um, the past year or so and think, well, what if, what if it was just the start of everything for you? Um, you know, this is this is things opening up to you that wouldn't have otherwise. Um, it's an amazing way to look at it, isn't it? So, um, are you going to be? You said that you don't have many weddings now. So, what's the? Are you just going to see how this book goes, or are you going to, to still keep pushing that business as well? Well, it's it's really hard to be torn between multiple projects, right? And multiple businesses. So it's not that I'm closing weddings, but it's just that I'm not pursuing actively trying to, you know, I don't even know how I go about getting new business at this point, because honestly, the wedding industry has still been very um, upended. And a lot of people have shifted the, their perspective on weddings and how much they want to spend in the scale of their weddings. And my clients in the past were the clients that would have two or 300 people and they would have large scale weddings with large amounts of family members. And once, you know, once their grandmothers couldn't come, they were like, well, what's the point of having this large celebration? And so a lot of people put it on hold or they just downscaled it so much that it was, it's hard to find who my client is right now because my client is just they're they're unsure and they don't want to invest in something they don't know if it can happen that kind of like pull between the different businesses because i've got two two different businesses probably three different projects at the moment big projects going on um it's like i have to compartmentalize myself all day so every part of the day is different and it's um yeah it's it's tricky but it makes probably for me it makes me feel a little bit more secure i suppose um but I, I totally understand um, focusing on the book. The book is just consuming for you. Um, but it, oh, I'm sure it'll pay off. <laughs> I'm sure it will because it's lovely. It's beautiful. The concept's beautiful. The words are beautiful and the images are lovely. 
Thank you. And I'm excited. I actually have two galleries that are interested in featuring my work right now, and I haven't even released the collection. And so there's just so much excitement of what's possible, but it's honestly stepping into it and trying to figure out the business side of it that's the challenge at this point because the creativity is not lacking. I don't think... I think I have plenty of beautiful things to share and I have so many ideas and concepts of things I want to continue to pursue, but it's just figuring out this other side of it that's very unknown at this point. Making a living in landscape photography is is probably one of the hardest things to um, to do in the photographic world, should we say. Um, I've spoken to a few people recently actually on the podcast about this and it's been very interesting to see the different approaches to to print sales and um, you know whether that's print sales or workshops or books, um, but it's 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 hard to figure, isn't it? I I'm 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 still figuring it. So <laughs> I can't give you any advice, but it's really nice to hear your take on things um, and the way you've gone about the book. So um, I'm pretty sure it'll lead you places, and I guess sometimes. Um, things happen simply because you're you've started doing something and something else comes from it and you try it and maybe that doesn't work but then you move on to something else so uh, I'm pretty sure that things will happen for you. The book will be released at the end of November and you'll be able to find it at revealedattheedge.com that's the name of the book in the series it will be called Revealed at the Edge and hopefully I'll be able to get it in multiple my goal is to get it into storefronts as well as online stores and just do local art fairs and things to self-promote my own book at this point. Yeah, you can be really busy promoting, aren't you? <laughs> yes, yes. So that's the it's learning how to market yourself in a different way, you know. So if you just want to um, let us know, so we've got revealed at the edge.com. Um, what about Instagram, Facebook? Do you have any pages there so people can find you? So my Instagram is alisondavis.photography. And there's also revealed at the edge on Instagram as well. It's just more of a placeholder page at the moment. And mostly you'll be able to find information about the project there. And you can review the project on Kickstarter if you research or, you know, go to the search bar and type in revealed at the edge. You'll be able to see all the details about how I created the project, see the short film and see basically how the, how it was funded, which I think is a really neat endeavor for photographers to consider. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was really nice chatting to you. Yes. Thank you so much, Margaret. It was lovely. Thanks for listening today. I'm truly grateful for you taking the time out to listen in. If you feel inspired in any way, I'd really appreciate it if you could share or review the show. You can also share it on Instagram and tag me or reach out with any thoughts. I'm at Margaret Soraya and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.